You ever get that feeling? Not the Marvin Gaye one. The one that it's the middle of winter and you've got loads and loads to do and it's too dark to take photographs. Well, good news, everyone. It's the Sunny 16 podcast. everybody and welcome to the sunny 16 podcast this is show number 35 which we could not possibly let get past us without mentioning some iconic 35 mil cameras uh, we also have graham acting as a client um, not that he's going to pay much i don't think for the product i shipped him uh, and loads of other stories as well uh, but first of all we need to say hello graham how are you buddy I'm doing great, Aid. Yeah, this is great. This is a real benchmark episode to reach uh, 35, although I'm just looking now, and technically it's sort of 135mm film, so that really probably ought to wait a bit longer, but 35. Um, I, I I looked at the Wikipedia page for 35mm, because obviously, as I've mentioned before, that's where all the truest facts are. Do you, can you guess, Aid? <laughs> all right, have a guess. When do you think 35mm film first appeared? Okay, so I'm going to reach back into the history of photography that I've read. And I've got a feeling, I, I'm not sure I know when, but I've got half a feeling that what, if not the inventor, then one of the really early people was a chap called Oscar Barnack, who invented, designed, built, whatever the word is, some of the very, very early Leicas, because I think they were amongst the first 35mm cameras. And I want to say... It was popularised in about the 1930s, but I suspect he invented it in about 1916 or something like that. Right. The 35mm the width film originally specified, incidentally, and I just knew this off the top of my head, as 1.375 inches, was introduced <laughs> in 1892. What? By William Dixon, no idea who he is, and Thomas Edison. I've got some vague Thomas idea Edison. who he is. Thomas Edison, he did yeah. everything. Yeah, using film stock supplied by, no no prizes for guessing this one, George Eastman. Um, and uh, then, you know, obviously advanced from there and they started adding perforations to it to use with the cine cameras because that's where it all started from. Um, the getting on to the stuff that we really care about, have a guess then how you, know, you reckon about 1930s. When do you reckon the first camera that could use 35 millimeter film to take a still shot appeared? Maybe that's the history I'm remembering. Then, if it was started in America for the motion picture industry, I got it. I, I look, look. I've been wrong once. I don't have another better bluff, so I'm going to stick with the story I went with, and it's something to do with Oscar Barnack. Well, you you're kind of right. So, the, actually, the first film, the first camera that could take pictures with a film was something called the uh, Tourist Multiple, which could shoot movie and still photography. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Oscar Barnack, but his prototype, he actually built that in 1913 and had it patented then. Um, I was only three years out for completely the wrong kind of photography. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, uh, but then as getting more to where you were pitching it, um, it they didn't start producing that camera, the uh, Leica, uh, until 1924 and it wasn't standardized until the 
very aptly named Leica standard of 1932. And I think the Leica standard is what really heralds the the dawn of 35 millimeter as a still photography medium. But um, yeah, it's interesting because I, like you, really thought that it was all much more bunched together. And I was quite surprised to realize how much earlier the film stock had been made. And yeah, also, I suppose, surprised slash unsurprised to see Thomas Edison's name pop up in there. But uh, mm, yeah. Well, Clearly, I at least have been a victim of Leica propaganda, haven't I? So there we go. Haven't we all? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what, though? I've been shooting a lot of 35mm this year, having not shot much of it last year at all. And uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I got stuck on the Scottish island of Isla. So this week I got the photos back from that and uh, somewhere near the top of our Flickr group, are three such photos uh do you have them visible to you sir i do i i do indeed eh? this is a novelty seeing um you taking the landscaping photographs well i mean yeah i won't go over the whole story again but you'll remember that i was asked to take some photographs uh that reflected something to do with the the, the burial site of the funeral i went to yeah, I mean, and it, you're, you're doing that. There's a lovely Scots landscape in the background and a depressing, gloomy uh, cemetery in the foreground. <laughs> so, um, job done. Uh, yeah, if it's weird. Um, I mean, uh, ha- happily, happily, no, not happily, but um, uh, satisfactorily, uh, the the photos were uh, came back okay. Um, actually, they I uh, had to do the the dynamic range in this shot is, was enormous uh the shot of the cemetery uh i had to pull up all of the shadows and all of the cemetery bit quite significantly uh in post uh to what, reflect the the light levels that you see on on the flicker was this ektar that you were shooting uh it should say actually let's have a quick look at the it should say as somebody who's always nagging us to tag our photos and properly label them it should say i can tell you now listeners it does not say uh look at the tags it might it should be in the tags there are no tags boo ah okay all right so that's uh, uh apologies there um probably <laughs> Somebody's got to apologise on this podcast. Normally, not we. Yeah, yeah. We established that it's not your strength, haven't we? <laughs> Actually, can I? Can we? Before we move too far on with this, I just want to say, um, I I did not apologise. Well, I did not apologise. We're all very clear on this. But two, I came across the email which you would obviously forwarded on at some point last week, and I just hadn't seen because I never checked Gmail because I always assume being gmail it's going to pop up and say you've got an email and it never does and so i read the email that rob had sent to you and um rob made far more valid points than just what you condensed down to well rob said uh so i feel i have definitely more understanding of rob's um thought process on this now with it when it comes to pushing the film um and i, I might give it a go i mean i think that's gonna be the proof of the pudding is giving it a go because he said he's actually pushed um Agfa Vista, the 200-speed film, the, the Poundland film, to 800 ISO. Um, and he's done this by extending the developing time by, he thinks, either 15 or 30 seconds. Those are two quite different numbers when you're dealing in very small increments. But um, I'm quite tempted to give that a go. So uh, anyway, yeah, just wanted to mention that, that Rob's argument was actually a bit more cogent and thought out than, well, Rob says, that you put forward last week for shame on you, Aid. Yeah, so so it's my fault you don't read your emails. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
Could you apologise to the listeners for me not reading my emails, please? I can apologise for your bad attitude. <laughs> right, let's get back to your last few pictures. Move, moving on. Okay, so right, it's a good job I didn't post very many, isn't it? So, <laughs> shot, shot number two uh, is of a, a small loch. Uh, with a, a little road coming in the left-hand side and a fence in the foreground. Um, yeah, tell you where what happens with Isla is that uh, the the place really helps because it has some quite dramatic landscapes. They're not necessarily the most picture postcard beautiful, but they're quite dramatic. But what it really mm. does well is sky. Yeah. Um, I know there is actually an island called Sky. <laughs> but yeah. This yeah. is the Isle of Isla. Yeah. Um, not to be yes, not to be confused with the Isle of Sky. <laughs> Yeah, this is the Isle of Skye, not the Isle of Skye, yes. I don't think you've made that confusing at all, late. <laughs> Excellent, good, right. So, yeah, so uh, this one, uh, yeah, was, uh, this we were driving along, stopped, uh, the, all the roads are empty on uh, on Isla, there's hardly any traffic at all, it's beautiful. Uh, and uh, so we just stopped by the side of the road as I saw the light reflecting in the lock and uh, mm. thought, well, we'll have a go at that. It yeah. is lovely, yeah. It's it it that shot really does just capture the feeling of space and emptiness and peace. I love it. That, that's really appealing to me. Look, zero humans for miles around. Wow, get me there. You'd you'd be you'd like it actually. Um, uh, yeah, it is. Um, it is nice, quiet, and relaxing place. So anyway, that like, then the third one is a sunset shot, and the sun is just glinting on a cottage or bothy or something in in the foreground yeah i mean it, it looks lovely the colors are stunning um it's it, it did not cope with that exposure range so did it, the film just went <laughs> you're asking a little too much of me here yeah well when you point your camera directly into the sun and there are shadows in the foreground you, you, yeah yeah it it, it it is a challenging one but um you know i i guess it's I don't know that I have a signature style or anything like that, but when I take landscapes, you know, I know there's a, uh, in, in some ways there's a traditional view that you, you set your shot at 90 degrees to the angle of the sun and that, and that gives you nice edges on everything and stuff like that. I, I tend to be a bit more blunt than that and just shoot straight up sun and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's really striking and really dramatic and I think it, it, it definitely does work. With all three of these shots, you've as is your want with these things crop them into a very cinematic um ratio of, of whatever the ratio is oh, it's two to one something it. like yeah, that yeah it's a two to one i tend to use yeah yeah i mean and i do really like that ratio it, it, it's it's a nice aspect ratio for landscape shots um yeah and it does it does look really dramatic i mean the left hand side is pretty much <laughs> black <laughs> there is zip de doo da detail there, but the um. Do you want I should HDR it? <laughs> no, no, you're right. Let's leave it black. I like black. Black's a nice color. No, I'm sure there's some detail in there somewhere. I got them to scan them as TIFF files. I could HDR it. I expect. <laughs> but no, I think they're, they're three very successful shots. I, I do really like them all. They're, they're nice. It's it's just it is challenging. I mean, obviously, given the conditions you're working in, and that when you've got these very shifting light scales. And the very bright sky, particularly at this time of year, when the sun is so low in the sky where we are, um, that it's kind of all or nothing, isn't it? Either the sun's out and you just have to deal with the contrast, or if you're in the right spot, get everything blasted by the sunlight, or it's behind the cloud or whatever is in, is in shadow, and then you're losing all the contrast and all the colour gets sucked out um, 
it's not yeah it's a it's a difficult time of year for taking landscape shots in that sense and i think you've done a really nice job with those well th- was thank you kindly was the family or friend um who you were um posting them to pleased with them uh i don't think we've got to that stage of the process yet so uh, i don't think we've sent them off because i think we're going to have to get some prints done and send the prints sure sure well they're very nice dude they are very nice well thank you thank you and but i understand that you have also been developing some film this week and i've got something to say something to show even something to show i know i did i managed to get into darkroom this week and do some color developing um and this is uh stuff that i shot last year unsurprisingly because um you know there's a bit of a lead time with all these things so i developed two rolls of film and a couple of sheets of four by five as well um the film I developed, the first one was a roll of Portra, which I shot. Uh, all of these were shot over months last year. This is part of my project to empty out my cameras of film. Um, so, yeah, the, some expired Portra 800s. I can't remember how expired it is. Not super expired. but um, And, yeah, that's all quite nice. It's all come out reasonably nicely. Um, I tried a couple of shots with using flash for that because my mum gave me this. I think I showed you, Aid, when you were down, this flash gun. Um and it's quite a beefy looking flash gun but that said it's clearly not checking out a huge amount of light because um it didn't illuminate the people as much as i thought it was going to or allow for in the shot um but yeah it was interesting to try i need to get a bigger flash gun because these were all taken with my bronica um and then the, most of the shots were as is often the case of my um lovely better half out and about um going for walks so I, I took a couple of shots up of um when we were out in the summer going for a walk around the lake and um it was evening times so the light was just starting to drop and there's a couple of shots i you know i'm quite pleased with there they're just a nice light in them and um yeah, Sinead looks lovely, as she always does. Um, she's always doing better in her side of the bargain than me. Um, so that was quite fun. Um, and that was all went fairly nice. I, you know I'm really pleased about is that I feel like I'm managing to do reasonably well at loading 120 film onto a reel these days. I rarely have a disaster. Um, well, it's good. Certain, <laughs> yeah, it's certainly helped by the fact that I'm doing it in a dark room rather than in a dark bag because that makes it a lot easier. With either kind of, yeah. Well, it's just because for one thing, you just you've got the room to move, and it's incredible the variation between how springy film can be. Because some of it is just like a tightly coiled spring, and some of it's quite nice and soft and loose. But um, good use of the word springy. It doesn't get enough play these days, does it? No one's using springy enough. (laughs) We need to make springy great again. Um, (laughs) And um, political joke. Um, and that tip that the camera club member gave me of just folding back like a couple of millimeters at the end of it to put a ridge in there, not a hard like crease in it, but just enough to bend it. So it gives it a bit more rigidity as you're trying to feed it through. Um, I mean, it means you need to kind of work it through the rollers on the reel a bit more, but it, it seems to be making it a lot easier for me. So that was good. So yeah, I was pleased with, you know, some of the results from that role of film that was quite nice i do like portra um speaking of the pushing and pulling with that i i know for a fact that that was definitely a film that i kind of i decided what the iso was depending on what the shot i was taking so oh, this is quite nice and certainly this is probably iso 400 which is what i should be shooting it at because <laughs> um it's a couple of years old now um or alternatively oh it's a bit dark in these woods uh this is iso 800 again now <laughs> because i need the extra speed 
Um, and it was fine. It was fine. Um, the other film that I developed this week, the other role, was the role of film from that Yoshika, the 635 that you had play around with and we were chatting about last week. Um, and that was uh, an expired role of Velvia, uh, as you were lucky enough to receive from me. Now, I can't remember. That was either the Velvia 50, which is really old and knackered, or perhaps more likely the slightly less knackered Velvia 100. Um, I think it is the latter. And... I was umming and ahhing about whether to send it off and get it properly developed as slide film. But that's quite expensive. And I knew for a fact that I hadn't taken any pictures on there that would justify me spending £15 on getting it developed. Um, so I just cross-processed it at home. And uh, just what I like about that... Um, the shots from that camera is it's one of those times where you look at it and you can really see that the camera that you're shooting with is affecting the shots that you're taking. So I, several of the shots on that roll of film, including a couple of the ones that I've um, both put on Flickr in our Flickr group and also shared on Instagram were taken at ground level because it's, as you said last week, it's got a waist level finder. You're looking down through it. So why not put it on the ground? Well, yeah, uh, absolutely. And it also helps to balance out the fact that it's a big, heavy lump, so you're not wobbling <laughs> about so much. It's a combination of laziness and uh, versatility. Um, but yeah, the cross-processing worked quite nicely. It's given things a weird look, but not quite as um, drastically weird, I think, as the stuff I got out of the Holger when I cross-developed, cross-processed that roll of film back in the summer. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, like I said, the, the pictures are nothing particularly exciting, but they're pleasant enough pictures and the development process with that went fine as well. So whilst I had the C41 chemicals out and warm, I had decided to develop a couple of sheets of the 4x5 film that I'd taken back in the summer. Not back in the summer, this was right before Christmas actually. And what I've been using the last couple of times to develop my C41 film, it's this thing called the Patterson Orbital developer tray or something i think it was originally designed and sold to develop um color prints but these days i think it is mostly used by people to do color negative or black and white um four by five prints so, so is it a tray then rather than a tank or is it a tank or what it's kind of it's a covered tray is the best way of describing it. So it's a, it is a tray shape in the sense that things are laying flat within it. So you can put up to four sheets in at once laying flat. Um, and then it has a lid that goes on top of it. But it's a lid which, like with the developing tanks, like with the pattern tanks, you can pour into and tip out of and it won't let light in. So it makes it really a good flexible choice for the home developer. Um, because I really don't like the idea of trying to develop four by five prints in the dark room in trays because that will just, nah, no thanks, not, not on board for that at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and the first time I did this, the problem I had was that when the prints came out, they'd moved around in the tray and they hadn't developed evenly and there were signs of bleach on there where it had laid against stuff. So to try and combat that, I used some of the Sugru uh, if anybody wants to know what Sugru is, just check back with last week where I gave a really, really good dis definition of what Sugru is. I, I listened back to that and I don't think I've ever heard a more confused person in the world than me trying to define what Sugru is. Um, 
But anyway, so I used Sugru to make dimples on the bottom of it to hold it off the bottom of the tray. And um, in the hope that that would, one, keep the stuff more in place so it didn't shift around within the tray. And two, not have it lying flat so the developer could get all around. Uh, and unfortunately, oh I made the I made the dimples too high. Um, so if you can see a the picture, uh, which I think is um, well, it's the one that's obviously four by five. Um, actually, it probably doesn't help because I've cropped all of them to a certain extent. Um, and I'm looking at them on Flickr, so that they all look funny shaped that Flickr crops. <laughs> it, it's the one. It's the one of Sinead in front of a Christmas tree. All right. Okay. Hang on one sec. Ah, oh, there we go. Yes. Okay, so if you can see in the centre of that picture, there's like a line up the middle with a mark. Yeah. She okay. looks like she's been shot with a lightsaber or something. Yeah, now this is the better of the two pictures because at least in this one, she's only been shot in the stomach as opposed to <laughs> in the other one, she looks like someone taking a lightsaber to her face. Ooh, um, ouch. Because <laughs> what I hadn't taken into account was that on the lid of the tray, it's got like these plastic runners coming down to hold the things to stop them from moving around as well and i made the dimples too high so it was rubbing against these runners and just literally scored the film and stopped it from developing so it kind of ruined those two pictures mm. um which you know i mean they were not they weren't going to be amazing pictures anyway they were just a couple of like oh you know i'm here we've got the camera i'm going to take a couple of quick shots whilst you're just sitting there um and they wouldn't have been great even if it came out perfectly the other thing that taking those large format pictures reminded me is that the scanning process is less than ideal because at the moment what i'm doing is scanning them in a half at a time using my epson v500 and then stitching them together using um, Photoshop Elephants, which is pretty easy to do once I'd reminded myself using the, the internet how to do it. But it's very easy to do. The problem is, though, that like with that picture that's on Flickr, that looks all right. At first glance, you wouldn't know that that was um, two halves shoved together. The other one, which I did try doing, even though it was already badly marked, because of the different contents of the top half and the bottom half of the picture, when I scanned it in, the scanner exposed it differently. Uh, and and the colours were different. And, and that's really hard to balance out. And you can't, at least I'm not aware of any way to sort of save a setting and say, just scan it exactly like this at these um, light and colour levels. Um, and then, you know, you put two halves together, it looks weird because you've got a top half that's, a different color shift to the top half and you know different exposure levels because one half might have more white in it than the bottom half in there so it's made me think again about maybe i need to start saving up for a scanner that can deal with this or alternatively get organized and use my camera to take the do the scanning pictures but i I don't think I'm going to do that. That <laughs> <laughs> just seems like a real pain in the neck. Um, it's hard enough getting me to scan stuff in. So, But anyway, it was nice to get some stuff done. Um, I feel like I'm starting to get a better handle on getting my negatives cleaner when I'm scanning them, which they, is really They nice. do look better. I was going to say, actually, there's none of your, your normal trademark Gump. There's certainly a lot less, yeah. I mean, it helps that these are medium format pictures, so you know, <laughs> it's still there. And the good thing is that because of the massive files 
if you actually click on one of them, they really embiggen. Um, <laughs> so you can see what dust there is on there um, because it makes the pictures, I would say, a screen size roughly uh, two foot by three foot. So they're big enough to see the dust on them then, but they're still pretty clean, all things considered. And that's I haven't done any um, photoshopping with those. And yeah, that's really just a case of wiping them down properly before i scan them and stuff like that but it's i'm I'm glad to have solved that little problem because that was becoming a real nightmare so so anyway that's been my week in development it's been yeah, pretty good nice to get some pictures done well uh, you know it's good to hear you talking about it you know it's um it's it's been something i know you've been wanting to get and sort some of this stuff out for a little while so it's uh well done sir well done I'm I'm working through my backlog. I'm getting there. (laughs) It gives me stuff to post on Instagram as well, which is always nice. Which is always nice. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so... Uh, it wouldn't be 35 mil week on the Sunny 16 podcast, which I've just made up, um, uh, if we didn't mention some iconic 35 mil cameras. And I'm not very good at this. <laughs> you're, you're the man that collects the cameras and know, knows lots of stuff. So uh, I'll tell you what, you have a go at naming a couple and telling us why you think they're iconic. And then I will see if I can name any at all. Yeah, well, I mean, I was, I, I was just, this is something we threw up together. I mean, in traditional Sony 16 podcast art, uh, five minutes before we started recording. But I thought, what what are the sort of five most iconic 35mm cameras that we can think of? I mean, I think that one of the Leicas definitely has to be on that list. I mean, I think Leica is kind of, it, it is the 35mm camera to a certain extent. It was the first one that really set the standard i don't know which leica i'm not enough of a leica aficionado to know which one really is the you know whether it's the m2 or one of the older ones um but yeah there definitely needs to be a leica on there maybe one of our listeners who uh, is lucky enough to shoot with leicas can say which one really deserves the i mean i I guess it probably is going to be one of the earliest ones because those are the ones that were shot by the likes of cartier bresson um who had such a huge impact on so many photo- photographers that followed him. Um, on the flip side of that, on the flip side of Leica and all of its importance to photography and um, and photographers, regardless of whether they're shooting film or digital, another camera that is always in my mind has been quite iconic now is uh, the Argus C3. Um, are you familiar with this camera, Aid? <laughs> You've been listening to too much film photography podcast. Well, yeah, but you know why that's iconic at this point? It's because it's a Harry Potter camera. So this, this is a camera that's so weird looking that they use it in Harry Potter and it doesn't look out of place. <laughs> now, that I did not know, not yeah. being a Potter mania maniac. Well, whatever, anyway. <laughs> Potter nutter. <laughs> yes, not being a Potter nutter. I did. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I mean, the, the Yargus C3 is this American-made um, brick of a camera, which, as Aid quite rightly points out, anybody who's listened to the um, Film Photography podcast will have heard talked about on many occasions. Um, it's a incredibly distinctive-looking camera. Uh, it is all sharp angles. I mean, it's called a brick because it looks like a brick, but with loads of funky dials on the front and things. And it's, it's a, I've never... Um, 
got to use one myself. I understand that they are perhaps not the finest of the, you know, <laughs> machines ever made. But um, the, the fact that it has been in such a big film as that, and I think has actually traded on that name. You know, people are selling them on uh, eBay now as the Harry Potter camera. I haven't seen that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay. All right. Tell you one that's going to be close to my heart then um, is the Nikon F. Uh, The the first Nikon SLR that was actually, you know, some some say, you know, uh, maybe they're Nikon biased people, but some say that, you know, the creation of that as the first of the the really super modern SLRs, um, you know, held its own for a decade as, and 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 set the scene for for what we all use, or the vast majority of us use today. Yeah, I mean, I've never shot a Nikon in my life, um, but even so, I cannot ignore the fact that that camera does seem to have been the go-to choice for so many of um, the great photographers over the years, and that it remained. Um, almost well, not unchanged but it evolved over time but from a incredibly strong start um i know that the guys over at the classic camera podcast have done at least one maybe even a couple of shows on um the various nikons um and they know far more about them because i think they all shoot nikons or something i don't know um so if you want to learn lots of stuff about nikons that we definitely cannot tell you um, <laughs> then go and go and listen to that podcast um but yeah another one like the leica just this so important within the history of film because it has taken i, I would love to see the breakdown of like really um notable and repeated as in terms of, sort of reprinted photographs taken with 35 millimeters and, and how many of those were taken on just the Leica and the um, Nikon F. Because I bet it's a I bet they are a really big weight on that scale, both of those cameras. I expect you're right. Yeah, I suspect you're right. OK, I think I'm going to go with one. Uh, well, maybe a choice, a choice from a couple here, but I think I'd like to give Olympus some love, and I know you love the Olympus SLRs, but that's not the one I want to. Because I, I got a feeling, and this is just an emotional thing, really, that Olympus played a huge role in really good point and shoot thirty-five mil cameras. Yeah, for sure. So I would like to recognise whether it's the Trip Thirty Five or the XA or the Mu Two or maybe just the whole of them, all of them collectively. Yeah, I think that's a great call. I mean, I think in some ways, I think the one you initially put up was the XA, and I think in some ways the XA is kind of, kind of the sweet spot because I mean, I, I the the Trip is. The Trip, I suppose, is an iconic camera in a lot of ways. I mean, so many people had an Olympus Trip. Um, you, you cannot bring one out around people of a certain age, by which I mean older people, um, without <laughs> going, oh, I had one of those. Um, they were ubiquitous. Um, but I think the XA was special in some ways because it it married such high quality and also control with that tiny tiny form factor um yeah it's it was a very special little camera that one and the fact that it's still so sought after today speaks volumes for it really does yeah good 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 call yeah olympus really did have the um did have it sewn up on those little guys right that's probably me done actually so have you got any more (laughs) yeah i'm just trying to think now because i mean 
it seems weird that we haven't talked about canon at all because again i think maybe it's just because neither you nor i currently shoot with the canon system um but for many people the the canon ae1 was their introduction i think that was um a, a really big hitter but i think it, also things like was it eric's um favorite camera the uh pentax k1000 is that right yeah, that's right. Certainly, that's uh, that was a very popular one. Yeah, so there's Penta, you know, there's Minolta then as well. If we're going elsewhere, isn't there? That's, yeah. yeah, you know what? I think I think the Pentax K1000. If we're going to go for another one to round out R5, I think we go with the Pentax K1000, which is not a camera that you or I have shot with, but nonetheless, even today, that is the de facto go-to recommended camera for anybody getting started it's like oh you want to learn to take photographs with a film slr get a k1000 you know it's fully manual it's built like a tank they go on forever they're just great cameras and um i i think that it, it, it that deserves to be the workhorse camera that's in there um i feel the one <laughs> the one real odd one out in our list is definitely the argus c3 um but you know what are you gonna do harry harry <laughs> Harry Potter guys, I mean, come on, we've got to get some clickbait in there. Um, <laughs> Maybe we should just call this show the Harry Potter Camera Show. <laughs> we definitely get Biggest a lot download more. ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's quite. I mean, yeah, quite a good list. I mean, it's got so let's say the Leica M2 because we're Leica numpties and we don't know any better. But the Leica M2, um, the Nikon F, the Olympus XA. Uh, the Pentax K1000 and the Argus C3. I mean, four out of five ain't bad. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. That's it's a fairly eclectic mix, I think. And uh, yeah. and good news is that we've stated it with enough confidence that it's going to upset somebody, and they're going to want to come back and tell us, you know, we've yeah. missed one out. So please do, folks. Please come back and tell us if we've missed something out of that list. Yeah. Uh, that- if, if people get in touch with us by any of the many, many means available to them um, and let us know what what your number one 35mm camera is, you know, whether it's one you've shot or what you just think is the most important one, then, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit this in the future, unless we forget, in which case we won't, or unless you just don't get in touch with us, in which case we also won't. Um, but if you do and we remember... <laughs> And time allows. And, you know. <laughs> All right. So okay. <laughs> I think it's time we took a break, gathered our thoughts, and came back with some sensible conversation. You're asking a lot, Aid. Well, it's time for what's actually becoming a weekly spot or a weekly segment now, which, of course, is the updates to the hashtag Sunny 16 projects. Uh, Last week, Graham had a fairly minimal update (laughs) on the Myopic Me project. Um, What we're going to ask him, though, uh, today is uh, two things. Uh, Please, Graham, could we have an update on the Myopic (laughs) Me project? And uh, if that isn't sufficiently sufficiently meaty an update for our listeners, uh, then, of course, you have your client report uh, to do. OK, well, look, it's the 30th as we record this. So I'm pleased to say that I have more or less finished the role of film. 
I mean, obviously, it's slightly less. Otherwise, I'd just say I'd finished the film. But I'm up to 22 shots. So I, I'm going to just point it at a wall tomorrow and fire off the last two. Um, and I got out into town last week and just uh, took, I don't know, it wasn't very many shots, but I didn't need to take very many. So I was out wandering around Whitney um, with my glasses off. I try not to get run over or walk into anybody. Um, as mentioned earlier, it's hard at this time of year because the light's not great. Um, and as somebody when you can't see detail you're looking for good contrast or good color and low love low light levels in summer and dull days sap all of that um but anyway my my roller film is pretty much done so i will get that developed this week probably um it's definitely made me think that i need to with future films have a more specific target per month to go after because if I'm just going, Oh, well, I'm just going to take pictures. I'm going to have the same problem I always have with taking pictures, which is, well, I don't know what of. Um, so what I'm thinking going forward is that maybe one month I'll go, okay, this month I'm going to concentrate on architecture. This month I'm going to concentrate on people. This month I'm going to concentrate on, I don't know what comes off. Courgettes. Courgettes. There's no courgettes, eh? I can't do courgettes. We've got courgette shortage. It's going crazy. I was going to do courgettes. Now they're all gone. Oh, it's a nightmare. And, and yeah, so I've been hearing things all week about courgette spaghetti or courgette. Yes, yes. I, this yeah. is a thing I had never heard of. And yet, in my local Tesco Express about two days ago, after having had lack of courgette all over the news, there were boxes for sale of courgette. Yeah, I mean, for the listeners who are not familiar with courgette and who love hearing really... Which I'm not either, by the way. I am not familiar with courgette, whatever it might be. I I actually am familiar with courgette, and I'm really good at describing things, so don't worry. Um, Courgette, people buy this thing called a spiralizer, where basically you put a courgette in one end, turn a handle, and this stuff that looks a bit like spaghetti comes out the other end, but it's healthier than spaghetti because... Apparently, there's something about spaghetti that's not healthy. I don't know. I like spaghetti. Um, but Sinead bought one last year and definitely used it at least three times before getting bored of that fad. Um, it's all right, actually. I mean, I don't like courgettes particularly. So the fact no, that they're now not available bothers me not. But um, the courgette sort of stir fry with stuff was quite nice. So I, you know, I, I was on board with that. Um, but yes, for listeners, not not in the UK you are, but obviously not being rocked by the terrible courgette scandal, which is definitely the biggest thing in the news right now, is the terrible courgette. I've heard um, nothing about it on Twitter, uh, or nothing but uh, courgette scandals on Twitter all week. There's been no American yeah. politics at all. No, there have been marches in London about the lack of courgettes. It's weird. Um, <laughs> I didn't read any of the banners. I'm assuming that's what the marches were about. But, um, <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. But anyway, getting back to this role of film. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking going forward, because not having a definite focus meant that I just ended up in the same kind of rut that I was of like, oh, well, I'm just going to try and click a few pictures here. And but I think if I actually, okay, this role of 24 pictures, I want all of these to be pictures of people, Um, you know, I'm not saying like street photography type, but family, friends, what have you. Um, And uh, architecture and um, fruit and vegetables, as Aid's already suggested. Um, so that's what I'm going to do going forward, see if that works any better for me. Um, but either way, I've got through my role of filming in a month. 
I'll get it developed and I'll start putting the pictures up from it very soon. All right, good man, good man. Okay, so um, I'm just going to have uh, a quick update about my photo shoot this week uh, but i don't want to talk too much about it because i'm going to invite gav to come on the show so uh as you know um I, my first chain reaction shoot was with rob hawthorne and rob introduced me to his mate gavin batty and the three of us went out last week and had uh, a great time actually it's uh, it stunned it was the first time i'd had to take a photograph of somebody i'd never met before and uh, we all had a, a right laugh but i shall um invite gavin on to the show and he can talk about it uh a little bit later when we get the photos back um so that'll do for that what i'm really interested in as a project update for my project is your experience is as the client receiving the photos so we talked last week about the shoot itself and we had a, a, a fantastic time i loved every minute of it uh, but uh what does it feel like uh, to be a subject in the chain reaction for uh, project and then get some photos back uh well i mean obviously it's the greatest thrill of my life age i, I don't think there's <laughs> yeah. any other way of putting this um <laughs> I, I first of all i'm very impressed with your turnaround time on these things um if, if you were a wedding photographer then that would be most impressive because uh, that's it was less than a week or just a, I can't remember yeah to be was, fair I only sent you about four photos <laughs> and now you said there's more than four I think there's what five six photos here I'm just clicking through them now because these are also up on um, Flickr and no, it's great um, I so essentially the photos can be broken down into kind of two groups can't they the two different locations um there's the ones we took in the uh barn with the tools and there's the ones we took uh, out in the garden with the podcast mic and um, stuff like that and they're two very different looks it's quite nice in the way that we got to do the two different shoots because i think they've given very different looks um and first i i love the pictures uh I wanted to ask you about what you've done to them, because particularly the ones of um, in the garden setting, uh, they they look quite dramatic. Um, and I wanted to ask what you've done post-processing wise, because, yeah, they're quite striking. And have you done anything with them or is that just the film? Oh, well, it's just your natural good looks, mate, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, there are there's. Uh, I guess there's a couple of things. I mean, one one of the things is that we were we uh, we were uh, blending the flash with the ambient light uh, to make sure that you as the subject stood out from the what was quite a, a bright ambient light, a very orangey because it's winter sunshine, but yeah, it was quite bright. Uh, but yeah, I have changed some stuff in Lightroom, and it's basically just. Uh, selective exposure adjustments or as they'd say in the old days dodging and burning mm -hmm. uh, the I mean the the method I use in Lightroom to do that is the uh, selective adjustment gradients so the, there's there's two there's a, a, a rectangular one and an uh, elliptical one uh, and yeah, there are um, sometimes big, sometimes small micro adjustments that uh, you've been made to very small areas um, just to make sure that I was highlighting you and bringing you out as the, the main subject. And there were other things that were um, not 
causing technical difficulties. So, for example, you were wearing a black T-shirt and we were shooting with a bright white microphone. So yeah. the, the microphone has been toned down a little bit in post. Can I just clarify, actually, because um, there was one comment on the picture, because I, I did share, I think, as the podcast up for last week's um, Instagram post, the digital um, sort of rushes, as you put it. And there was one comment on that feed uh, asking whether that was something from Ann Summers. I feel like, I, feel <laughs> I don't like want to know what you do with your microphone, but I don't want it back. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I must I must confess that the, the commenter for anybody who does know Anne Summers is the uh, English chain of um, sex shops. Yeah, I suppose sort that's of. It, high it street makes, acceptable. High street acceptable sex shops. Yeah, the commenter who made that lewd remark was embarrassingly my brother. Um, so you know, Actually, I, it's I, just I, occurred I, to me that's my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I, I brought my microphone with me as a prop. You happen to have the same one, but <laughs> yes, but it is a microphone. Let's just make that crystal clear. <laughs> Sorry, Aid, you were saying no, 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 no. It's all right. So no, it's um, yeah. So I have I have done some post processing on them. I know we were talking about uh, uh, before Christmas about me not liking to do post-processing on film photographs or on any photograph at all actually um it that's a position i've revised a little bit recently um because uh but but most specifically where they where the shots i've been taking have been for more than just my own benefit and there's actually uh a, a client or a proxy client um i'm not a professional photograph nobody's ever paid me to take a photograph ever although you did buy me a rather nice slice of cake that day that's very true yeah yeah and you did get that cup of coffee thrown over you yeah so that, was nice. that which was nice as well yeah so uh but no it's uh um i you know got them back and um one of the things that it was one of the things that was interesting actually because i tend to think of triax as a fairly contrasty film uh but there's a there wasn't too much contrast in these and uh, I actually needed to add contrast, uh, there, and and also there was a lot of texture because yes, um, in, in the background of the shots, so it wasn't like there was a a blank area that you were naturally going to stand out from, you know, from a texture point of view. Uh, so again, you know, some of the uh, the dodging and burning helped there, um, but yeah, other than that, not a lot. Um, you know, I mean, for, I didn't have to do any color adjustments. <laughs> 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 makes life easier it really does that's it i mean i my favorite ones the ones i particularly like and this is perhaps unsurprising um i like the ones where we were dicking about out in the garden because um in those ones i was i think you'll find those were a concept rather than dicking about <laughs> <laughs> potato potato um but i like because with the nose you know i i, I was playing a role and um and yeah, I, 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 I mean, I think they all came out really well. But I, I, those are the pictures I look and go, yeah, I really, I like those the most because, you know, obviously it's always difficult when you're looking at a picture of yourself, um, for me anyway. Um, I was yeah, I, just thinking to myself, I don't find that actually. It's just like... Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, and it's the same. Uh, you know, I said to you last week, I think it was that I've taken self portraits in the past and. I always go to great lengths of mucking around. There are some ridiculous self-portraits of me floating around <laughs> on Flickr elsewhere because it's like, well, this is a dumb thing that I'm going to do. But I, I really like those. I, I was worrying at the time whether, particularly with some of them, where I was moving around quite violently and gesticulating, you know, is this going to get 
caught it was just gonna be a blurry mess but no it, it um they came out really well and uh yeah the, the the concept you had worked really well and i like the fact that we, you know, the ones where you backed right off so we could see all the lighting and everything like that in there um it, it, in some ways it, it's made it feel even more like this weird combination of things being slammed together it didn't necessarily it, i don't know it it's good I, I i really like those a lot i do like the ones in the barn but I, i'm i'm far more self-conscious about those also as people will see if they look at these pictures when we were out and about in the garden i had a woolly hat on and so in the pictures when i then took that hat off i had terrible hat hair um so you know there's that see that's very subjective because i don't think you did particularly have terrible hair hair so <laughs> well i appreciate that my um Sinead definitely i think she preferred the ones in the barn she liked the ones that were the more straight portraits um yeah there's one that i called one for the ladies which i was pretty sure she'd like <laughs> yeah absolutely well i mean who couldn't like that it's uh... <laughs> but no i think you did a great job with the maid i i really was impressed with um with just the lighting in them really more than anything else just how evenly lit they are um and uh, yeah i love the pictures i i, I love uh, a graham of thrones and and all of the ones around there in particular they're just they're great they're they're a fantastic um thing to have from a fun day uh, i really like them and you'll have to send me the files for those so i can um, print them off and uh, have them about because they're great. Uh, yeah, sure. Just excellent. Okay, this is good news. Thank you very much. Because of course, um, yeah, uh, the the customer satisfaction survey. <laughs> yeah, I'll fill it in and send it back. I'll yeah, it well, my... I was going to say. So yes, on a scale of of one to enormous, how likely are you to recommend the photographer to any of your friends or family? Oh, absolutely enormous. The thing that you've done. Bearing so in mind well... that that is actually part of the project as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, the thing that I think you've done, that you've shown so well in these, and obviously I haven't seen the ones you've done with Gavin yet, um, but you, you've shown your chops as a sort of straight portrait photographer with the pictures of Rob and, you know, the ones we did here, which are the more straight portraits. So, yeah, you're clearly perfectly capable of doing those, but the concept ones, I think that you really, uh, that was something that you, I've not seen you do before. Um and I think they worked very well here. I mean, obviously, you did have the big advantage of having me in them, uh, which you're not going to have Clearly. going forward. No, um, well, no, <laughs> sadly not. No. But, uh, yeah, the the concept worked well. And I know you were worried that the digital picture you took might be the best of the bunch, but that definitely was not the case. Um, I think these film shots came out really, really well. And, uh, yes, I hope you're as, as pleased with them as I am. They're, they're good fun. I would definitely recommend that the listeners check them out if you want to see the fun that can be had with a camera, quite a lot of lights and a hedge cutter in the garden. <laughs> yes, currently mostly on our Flickr uh, group, uh, the Sunny 16 podcast Flickr group, uh, which is where you'll find all of them. I think to, to Twitter and Instagram, I've only posted a couple. So, uh... right, so I, Well, I'm sure that one of these at least will get stuck up this week with the podcast, so... Okay. Okay. So this is good. Well, thank you very much. Now, I would like to just before we end this segment, have a quick shout out to uh, three people who have said that they are undertaking their own projects with us. Uh, first, uh, Dave Weevil, uh, who is doing wet plate photography. And uh, having had a look at his Instagram account, I can't see much evidence of that. So, Dave, please do get in touch. Uh, if you've got something to start to show now. Uh, secondly, Derek James, uh, who listeners may remember, 
is uh, his project is to pick half a dozen records and interpret the tracks as photos. Um, and thirdly, our very own Bill Owens, um, who I note on his blog uh, in the show notes, and uh, as Bill does the show notes, I'm sure he makes sure it's in 100-point font. Um, here's the, the Words 100 blog actually has, since we last looked at it and talked about it on the show, uh, a couple of... Th- possibly three new four. entries four entries. four is it sorry four new entries no four one one is the one that you read out previously yes. so three yeah. new entries so well done bill yeah they're great they're, they they really are i am the um the writing form uh, you know they call it a drabble where you're just using 100 words it's such a difficult form to be concise and still get something across and yet um he's done a really good job with all of these, I think the one he's published most recently is For the Ages, um, which is based around this nice winter scene of some trees uh, against the wall uh, in a very rural location. Um, and we've got From the Ground Up, which is a very urban one. Um, and then uh, Frosty. I, actually, I haven't read those two, but Frosty, I read that one. And that's I don't know where that's um, a picture of Maddie out for a walk with Bill. But anyway, somebody... Um, off walking in front of Bill. Every one of the stories that he's written around these pictures is completely different from the other one um, in style and in um, atmosphere. And they're great. Yes, Words 100 is absolutely worth a look. Uh, I think Bill's fantastic, doing a great job with that. And the fact that he has managed to consistently do it, he's up there with you, Aid, for doing really well at this. Um, I don't know how uh, Derek's getting on because, um, you know, he's not showing the pictures online. So we're just going to wait to hear when his first zine is ready. But it's all very exciting. Mm, it is and uh, i look forward to seeing uh more stuff actually uh and anybody else who wants to join us on this little challenge because uh, there's still plenty of time left because we said for six months didn't we so we're still only really at the end of month number one as we record this keep them coming folks So it's that time in the podcast which is usually a strength of Graham's because he usually has a lot more people to shout at than I do. He's a very, very angry man with a lot of issues to work through. However, actually, this week I'm going to have a go first. And the first person I would like to give a shout at to is Gavin Batty, who was a very fun and willing subject of the Chain Reaction Project last week. Hey, Gav, thank you again very, very much. And everybody that listens to this should go and see uh, his Instagram account at Gavin Batty and potentially follow him on Twitter as well, if that's your thing, at Gavin Batty. And everybody should also go to GavinBatty.com. Uh, Gavin works in the music industry, uh, but he's a very keen photographer and he's got a really, really uh, amazing set of photos. Some of them are of musicians, some of them are of other people that he's met uh, just through the the processes of his work. Um, He's got some stuff like photos from gigs. He's got some street photography. But I think the stuff that really works best for me is his portraiture. So again, I've... (laughs) 
well, maybe not unwittingly, um, because my subjects are being chosen for me. But uh, again, I've had a really accomplished portrait photographer to take a photograph of. So <laughs> I'm hoping that my portrait of Gav comes out as well as the stuff that he's taken of others. But that's my first shout out. Second shout out is to believe in film uh, the community on instagram and twitter uh, that well i guess for want of a better phrase believe in film uh, this is usually to be found through a the hashtag believe in film uh, and is run by a chap called gordon uh, as i best understand it whose twitter handle is at film develop now Believe in Film has an event coming up. Uh, if last week was party week for black and white, uh, this week we need to mention BiffScale17. So this is a hashtag on Twitter. I haven't checked out whether it's a hashtag on Instagram as well. Uh, uh, it certainly is. It yeah, certainly it is. is. Okay, glad to I, I have to just, when I first saw it, I was going to jump in quickly because I want to give some appropriate um, thanks to somebody because I, I only got made aware of this when our... Um, uh, friend Colomatorn said, "Oh, yeah, you had this party last week. You didn't mention Biff Scale. Um, I, to be honest, I just assumed that this was where people were rated as to how much they were like Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> but apparently not. Uh, it's something completely different. So, could you explain what Biff Scale is, please, Abe? <laughs> well, I'll do my best. Um, I'm not sure it's anything to do with Back to the Future, but." Oh. I've lost all interest now. Maybe don't bother. So I, I think this is a, an event organised in potentially a similar way to FP4 party and now, of course, the uh, the TMAX party we were talking about last week. Uh, the BiffScale17, hashtag BIFScale17, is uh, an event for people to shoot red scale film and share that. So... There's already a couple of interesting photos if you uh, if you search on Twitter the hashtag BiffScale17. There's already a couple of interesting red scale photos up, and there's plenty of tweets about people who are looking forward to it and are preparing, and they got their cameras and they got their film sorted out, etc., etc. So um, this could be good fun, I guess. Are you going to give it a go? Is the answer? Is, I is don't have answer? any red it's scale film. The, an the answer is obviously no. You can no, you can buy them. I believe you live in the largest metropolis on this island of ours. You can buy some. There's there's at least one lamography shop in London, and of course there are any number of galleries and other shops which will probably stock it. So I could do, couldn't I? I, I I'm so trying to be good. really really focused, and you're going to have me doing cheap shots challenge. You're going to have me doing uh, expired film day. You're going to have yeah. me doing Biff scale. You're going to have me doing T Max party, and and that's all great. But I'm supposed to be doing my chain reaction project, and I only have so much shooting in me in any one. Uh, that's fair enough. I think Biff scale. That that does just make me laugh. Biff scale. I mean, I don't know. It just conjures up some kind of placky coating on 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 somebody called Biff to me. Um, I might give it a go. The only problem with Biff scale being in February um, is that it's not the brightest time of year often, and as red scale film is often, especially if you're DIY red scaling stuff and you're not buying it, um, as I did with my last roll of red scale, that that can get quite slow. If you take a an ISO 200 film like the um, Poundland film that I use, the Agfa, Agfa Photo Vista, and then turn that back to front, 
then you're going to drop the speed on that at least down to 100, if not 50 or even 25, depending on the sort of results you want to get. And um, yeah, the light levels are not brilliant for that this time of year. And especially with the forecast this week being shitty, I think was the one word description that the weather forecaster gave it. Um, yeah, but I might give it a go. I've got a lot of ag photo in the thing and it's real easy thing to just um get an old empty reel tape it onto one and wind it back in the other way so i might give it a go i'll see how the mood takes me yeah you've got you've got a uh a tripod on the floor in your van haven't you that's true i have got a tripod on my van yeah it's the place to keep your tripod well it was a five pound tripod i mean now you know i wouldn't want you to think i was taking poor care of a, a good tripod that's my five pound tripod well there you go then no excuse okay so that was the shout out for biff scale 17 and then just another one which i think is why maybe you want to watch uh for the near future rather than one that's actually happening right now uh we reported a couple of weeks back on the emergence of a new French black and white film under the name of Burger Pancro 400. Um, I started hearing uh, I started hearing rumours that this was going to be available in the UK. Um, I haven't found it, but I've got a... Uh, I know that uh, First Call Photographic... Uh, .co.uk uh, are attempting to stock it but uh, sadly they've they've sold out for a little while um, and they're expecting more so the first 35 mil Pancro 400 is coming through now um, which is going to be really good news and I'm looking forward to trying it yeah I think actually I'm not sure whether it's hit the shelves yet I think this is they are very close to it I've seen stuff on Instagram this they're, they're finally starting their promotional efforts with some enthusiasm it's taken them a while they're a bit slow on the uptake with that stuff but um they've been showing pictures of the new packaging it's got very snazzy sort of wine red packaging now which is very nice and i think it should be hitting the shops very soon so yeah it's gonna be great to have a nice new film to check out um like 400 speed film and the pictures that they're sharing that um people have taken with it already they get some really nice results so it'll be interesting to check that out i will definitely be keeping an eye out for some of that excellent okay all right that does me for my shout outs graham what do you got well we were just going to have a quick squeeze through some of the stuff because as we were looking on um flicker the stuff we've been talking about that we've been shooting it came to our attention there's a lot of really cool stuff so we're gonna have a quick blast through some of the more recent stuff that's on here um there's a few pictures by mjp now i'm not sure who mjp is and i did try to look because i thought it might be somebody who'll be following on instagram called um, m parry who took who's a uk-based photographer who takes some great pictures and soups his own stuff but i can't find any um pictures that are shared between those two things so it probably isn't but either way check out both of these people mjp on Flickr and m parry on instagram um and these pictures that mjp has taken these are great these are Tri-X pushed to 1600. Now we talked a lot about Ilford HP5 pushed to 1600. These results on Tri-X look fantastic. Um, they are medium format. They're shot on the Yashica and they look great. Um, they're nice big file size so I can blur them up big but yeah, I, I really like that. I've never tried um, Tri-X full stop so 1600 speed looks great. Uh, some uh, lovely pictures of Rob there by you. Um, mm -hmm. Really nice selection of shots by Robert Dungan. Uh, I just, I, I love these pictures of a different part of the world. Um, I don't know who Gary Melcher is, but I know he's had a few pictures from his studio and around there. Uh, the Rappen, Rapper, Rappahannock River. I mean, 
don't know where that is, but it sounds great. So lots of just really nice. But yeah, Gary Melch's lovely old house. Um, nice black and white stuff on. I think he's shooting on some real old cameras with those as well. Uh, yeah, Agfa Sure Shot, um, which I think is a very old shot, old camera. Um, Edward Conde has got some great color work on there. Uh, lots of nice Instagram wide, Instax wide stuff rather. Um, really good, colorful stuff. Uh, great city shots. Really enjoying those. Dan Smith, or I think at Dan R. Smith on Twitter and Instagram, has been doing some awesome low light stuff lately. I really love this low light stuff. Um, he's been out with his Rolleiflex and um, he's using his uh, digital camera as a light meter. And the results you've been getting are fantastic. So whether you're looking on um, Instagram or Twitter, definitely worth looking at that stuff because that really is fantastic. Really great nighttime shots. Um, some awesome seaside stuff from uh, Neil Piper. I don't know what he's shooting those on. Uh, I'm going to guess Poundland Film because that's his go-to. But yeah, just nice. Just I think it's Norfolk or somewhere like that. And there's crabbing buckets available wherever it is. Uh, and finally, I'm gonna, JWS Seacrest. Well, we got it right the first time. I'm sure we got it wrong the second time. Some awesome pictures, really nice portraits of his brother and his brother's really cool looking old truck. I love those. Um, very nice portraits, actually. You want to watch, you got some competition on the film portraits run. Um, <laughs> Yeah, just that's just a small selection. There's, there's so much stuff. I keep winding back stuff from Ken Hindlemay. Just, just oh, really, actually, there's a really great shot of some pointy windows by Ken. Um, oh, <laughs> and I have to point this out because I saw this one on Instagram. So um, Ken Hindlemay or the Rutland Flyer, as he's on Instagram. <laughs> this great picture. Uh, it's a sign saying no parking at any time, and right in front of it, there's just a Zimmer frame there. <laughs> and I remember that Ken put the uh, tag um, a rebel without a cause or something similar to that on um, on the Instagram post. So yeah, uh, lots of great shots, beautiful portraits from Alex Ward as we come to expect. Loads of great stuff. Check out the Flickr group. Uh, it's really lovely. Great if you want to f- see the pictures that Aid and I are talking about that we've done, um, but also just to see some lovely other stuff that people are sharing and share your own stuff on there as well, please, because it's really nice to be able to see people's pictures embiggened on a grand scale. Um, I, I love seeing all that, that detail, which you just cannot do with Instagram. Absolutely. <sighs> and certainly, uh, whilst you have a breath there, well done, actually. That's really good. That's... You really did have a quick run through the Flickr group. It's becoming a really rich source of photographs, of images, and I'm finding it uh, you know, a really nice place to, to go spend some time, our Flickr group. Um, it, we only started it as we started the podcast, so it was... You know, it's it, but it's now grown into being a you know a uh, I don't know whether I'd call it a body of work, but certainly a collection of work in its own right. And there's lots of different stuff to see, and and uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it immensely. I think I might quit Instagram for good and just look at our own Flickr group. <laughs> or is that a little bit too close-minded? <laughs> well, let's face it, the amount you actually use Instagram, I don't think you you really need to quit it. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, yeah, I, I don't suppose. Instagram would be that fast. <laughs> <laughs> You're even worse than me in that saying something. Yeah. Okay. Fair point. Listen, Carl, that... you, you have, a, have, have a look if you Andre. The, you know, talk about the Instax, and it's there's a great shot by Edward Conde at Venice Skate Park with an Instax wide. I talk about the um, 
decisive moment that he's captured. This is this guy just in midair, like really. Oh, you, I saw that. He really is in, in, in midair, isn't he? He is parted from his skateboard about 10 feet off the ground. <laughs> Fantastic. Just great. Love it. <sighs> yes. I wonder what happened to him. I don't know, but it doesn't look as though it's going to end well. It really doesn't, does it? It really doesn't. But it's, but on the upside, at least it'll be remembered through a really good p- photograph. Yeah, that's true, yes. <laughs> Have it on his coffin. <laughs> yes, quite possibly. All right, blimey, yeah, that is a bit scary, that, isn't it? I'm just looking at it, yes. Okay, all right, I'll tell you what then, uh, rather than getting the shivers, I think uh, it's time to close the show. Uh, you know, uh, good fun episode, good fun show this week. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed it, and it's good, been a good uh, to have a look and, and a think about some other people's photographs, uh, as well as get your feedback, Graham, on on what it's like to be uh, one of my victims. Uh, <laughs> as usual, uh, you can get in touch with us on the internet. Who'd have thought? Uh, Instagram at Sunny Sixteen Podcast, mostly Graham. Well, let's face it, entirely Graham, really, because <laughs> yeah. we haven't outsourced it for ages. Um, it, so it's interesting that Graham's actually having to carry the burden of the Instagram account rather than giving it to somebody else to worry about for a week. I know. We really need to start getting some guests on very soon so I can <laughs> change that. But yes. we will do, uh, dear listeners. We are going to start getting people back on again very soon because we- um, getting sick of the sound of our own voices. <laughs> yeah, we are in. We are indeed, and I'm looking forward to having some guests on actually uh, uh, to uh, to you know, add some spice uh, on Twitter. The Sunny Sixteen Podcast Twitter account has mostly been about whiskey in the last <laughs> few days. It's amazing how many photography enthusiasts in also are whiskey enthusiasts. Um, it's just... it's a it's a life reaffirming thing actually. <laughs> I think it's just. Uh... Mm, I'd use the word unsurprising at how many photographers are uh, heavy drinkers. I, I, probably most of the people listening to this won't have been listening to the Pixelated Photographer back in the early days, but um, the Pixelated Photographer podcast back in the very early days when um, Adam or Fly was still hosting it with Chris, uh, he was frequently uh, half cut when he was podcasting. So I think alcohol and photographers just go together hand in hand. Well, it helps possibly, with our creative possibly. process. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I don't think many of them, though, drink the fudge vodka that you like. <laughs> you know what? I've actually been looking at recipes for fudge vodka this week. I need to start up my own supply line. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Homemade fudge vodka is probably a lot healthier for you. It probably hasn't got any of those nasty preservatives in it. <laughs> just just sugar and just, just sugar turned to alcohol and then some more sugar on top for flavour. Yummy, yummy. Excellent. Okay, so we've talked a lot this evening about the Sunny 16 podcast Flickr group, but please do go there. Uh, send Graham an email, uh, sunny16podcast at gmail.com. Go on, it'll make his day, and it'll even maybe read it. <laughs> Actually, I have been checking this week because I'm hoping I have a plan uh, that hopefully going to be catching up with um, – Jake Van Vliet later this week because he is in the country and they're going to try and catch up with him for a drink because he said oh, I'll drive up to Oxford if you want like, well, if you're going to come to me then I'll go to the pub that's fine so um, hopefully you can catch up with Jake oh, later this week excellent well yeah that'd be great fantastic stuff uh, which re- all that leaves uh, for us to close down the show today is to say thank you to Chris at pixelatedphotographer.com thank you to Bill as always for the show notes and Kevin for the music 
<sighs> next week will be 36 i wonder what flimsy thread will try and <laughs> run through that one uh thank you for enjoying 35 millimeter week and uh we'll speak to you soon bye-bye bye Thirty-six monkeys was that the film? No. Uh, Twelve monkeys. Thirty-six steps. Thirty-six. Thirty-six shots on a roll of film. That's true. Yeah, that's that's thin even by our standards. Uh...